wrote it down because I was convinced that by the time I got up here my mind would be in a whirl. I was right. <laughs> Basically, I wanted to just tell you what's happened in my life. And that's really what a testimony is all about. And when we read the different books of the Bible, many of them start off as the testament of. And what you're going to hear tonight is four people's living testimony. What happened in their lives, and you heard it firsthand. Basically, the, the road to baptism started for me one summer's morning this year. I was driving up to Liverpool, and so something that John Hemming had said to me would probably happen did. For the first time, I knew as a result of something that happened on that trip that I was going to get baptized. And the way it happened was the words, repent and be baptized, just came into my mind. And the fact that these two words were in fact two ends of one act or two parts of the same act. And I knew that Christ had called me to him and to come to him, particularly in a spirit of repentance. And I realized that it was a, a special kind of repentance, not that repentance that was mentioned a moment ago where you feel beaten down. But it was a kind of repentance that you'd feel if you'd been particularly rotten or dishonest or dishonoring or betraying to somebody who you later realized was a very special person in your life and who actually really loved you and cared for you and had your best interests in, at heart in everything you did. It was a kind of repentance, really, that just came out of a sorrow, out of realizing just how wrong I'd been through the vast majority of my life. And how, really, that action that, that's been my life would have caused hurt and sorrow to that person who was very special to me. And that person was Christ. So then I was faced with the problem of, well, what do I repent about? I mean, in my life, and I tell you the truth, there's a great deal of choice. Earlier in the year, I was sort of reading through part of the Old Testament, and particularly a bit about Moses and the commandments. And at that time, I'd read them, and I read them in a different light to the way I'd ever read them before. But the true meaning of what was given to me that day didn't come home as truth until this particular morning driving up to Liverpool. And I went through them again, one by one. And you know, it just came to me to say to you tonight, if each of you gave yourself a score on a basis of 1 to 10, you know, where would you figure on the scale of 1 to 10 against the Ten Commandments? And more particularly tonight, where would I figure on that score chart? And I, mean, I suppose most of us could claim, well, you know, perhaps we'd get 5 out of 10 right. And, I mean, as some of us, we may even be as low as 3 out of 10 or even two out of ten. But in God's way, he showed me very plainly that in my case, my score was naught out of ten. I want to ask you just to think about that tonight. That out of my life, I'm 48 or 49 this year, next year, sorry, and the way I've lived my life, and I suddenly come to a realization that out of those ten basic things which God gave to Moses, and I measure my life against them, I found myself guilty on all counts. What's even more surprising is I'm not conscious of ever actually reaching a point in my life where I started to seek after God. And very often in the Bible you read the words where it says that he was, you were called, or he called me, or he called us out of darkness. 
And I want to tell you that that's what happened to me. Out of, just straight out of the blue, in the middle of my life, at the beginning of 1991, my life just took a turn, and suddenly I was conscious of the fact that my life was traveling in a different direction. And it was a strange thing, because at that time, I'd have to tell you the truth and say that for the vast majority of my life, I've denied the existence of God. And not just a question of I didn't believe in him, so he didn't exist. I knew he didn't exist. And I denied him over and over again, publicly, and with some conviction. And I argued my corner strongly as well. And if you think about that in the terms of where I stand tonight, you realize just how wrong a lot of my life has been. This God, who at that time I still didn't believe in, started to deal with me, not in a beating down way, but in a very loving, very caring, very patient, very gentle way. I tell you, I didn't deserve that, but he did. There's lots of things that I've done in my life which I'm ashamed of now. Things against family, things against friends, things in business. All kinds of areas were revealed to me as being what was wrong in my life. The fact that I still, at that stage, didn't actually believe there was a God. I was quite happy in my disbelief. I didn't have a problem with the fact that there was no God. I was quite merrily trundling along. And then over the period from January 191 through to May 91, he took the time and the trouble and the patience and the love to convince me in a very personal way, because each of us, I think, have our own particular areas where God would minister to us in a way which is unique to each individual and bring you to a point where you knew beyond all doubt that this God that I knew didn't exist was doing a job of work in my life. And that was the point I came to in May. And on May the 19th, I asked Christ to come into my life. And I asked him to be my Lord and Saviour. And from that point on, over a period of months, I went through a, a, a period of real change in my life. I experienced the peace that was spoken about before. I experienced the joy. I experienced a, an awareness of celebration. And these are the things that had been totally missing in my life. They were unlike anything I'd, I'd experienced before. And since then, he's just systematically, in an orderly and patient way, just turned my life upside down. My home life, my relationships, my life with Yvonne, the fact that we've been married, friendly relationships with people who I work with and who I deal with, and there's still a great deal to be done in those areas. But the Lord's working through those in my life. And the big thing that I want to stress to you is he does it with gentleness and with care. He's not that beating down God. He doesn't want you to repent in hammered down regret. He just wants you to bring, to, bring you to a place where you realize the truth of what he's all about. And one of the people who I know in this fellowship, and I want to share a little bit about him with you tonight, because he had a great impact on me, a chap called Bill Carter, who was a member of this fellowship, and I only spoke to Bill probably a dozen times in the time that I knew him, but he still had a great impact on me. And Bill, according to a sermon that Tom gave us some time ago, 
had been a, a man of God all his life and a churchgoer all his life. And yet at the age of 59, he discovered that Jesus Christ wanted a particular and special and personal relationship with him. And at the age of 59, Bill asked Christ into his life and a bit later on he was baptized. And he was a man of God, a man who had lived a good life, he was a good man. And still he came to a new revelation knowledge of Christ at the age of 59. I see myself pretty much at the other end of the spectrum. I haven't lived a good life by any stretch of the imagination. And yet God was patient enough to deal with me in a caring way. Bill spoke to us one night in a meeting over the Shakespeare. Um, and he talked to us particularly about his belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and particularly about his belief in the importance of baptism. And there's a, another of those meetings actually coming up this Friday, I noticed on the news sheet today. But Bill particularly stressed that evening that baptism seemed to be a crucial part in God's plans for us, for all of us. It wasn't just some sort of add-on option that you know you could take or leave. It seemed to me to be a significant part of Christ's scheme for us. It was a significant part of what Christ did and what he taught. As we heard before, Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized himself, it was at that particular moment that the heavens opened and the Spirit of God came down upon him. So it's not just some you know, non-event, it's a major part, I believe, of God's purpose. And I'm proud and pleased to be called to it because I have no right to be here other than by the grace of God. That particular day when I was going up to Liverpool, um, I couldn't get home quick enough because basically I wanted to find out where in the Bible it said repent and be baptized and to read the context in which it was written and see what it had to say to me. And I got home and I searched through it and as far as I could find out, I don't know if there's any scholars here who will correct me, but I could only find it once and it was in Acts chapter 2 and it's verse 38. And I read it and I experienced another of those gifts from God which, you know, when he gives us things, he doesn't just give what you ask for or give you what you'd like. He gives you what you asked for, plus a bonus that you never expected, and still puts cream on it after that. Right? He just gives you so much, and you've just got to bring yourself into a place where God can give you those gifts. Let me just read that passage that I read that day. I found the words, and it was Peter talking to some of the Jews, who were the people who'd actually put Christ to death just like I had, because it was my sins, just like the Jews' sins, that Christ died for. So I was part of the people that he was talking to. And Peter, Peter said, when he was asked a question by one of these people, which was basically, what shall we do? When they realized how wrong they were. And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all who the Lord our God will call. 
And I just hope you can begin to understand the joy that I felt when I read those words, having got back that evening. Because I realized then that my baptism wasn't just something that I could do to testify to what Jesus Christ had done in my life and through Jesus bring glory to God. I mean, that's enough of a, of a reason to do it anyway. But then to realize that in addition to that, I would personally receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And that just blessed my socks off on that occasion. And the fact that it's, it's not a maybe, it actually says this promise. It's a promise. You read it when you get home, it's there in black and white and you can rely on the word of God and on the promises of God. And even that wasn't enough, there was still more because it says this blessing was not just for you, but it was for your children. And I say that particularly today to Holly and to Katie and to some children that you don't know about. I have a son in Canada and a daughter in Canada and I also have a son who was killed as a toddler. And I think that blessing that promise is fulfilled for all of those children. And I'd say to Katie and Holly, hold on to those promises because that promise comes through what goes on here tonight. And I just hope God blesses you through that because you're inheritors of that promise if I read the scripture correctly. And the only final thing I'd like to say is a particular piece of music that I picked tonight. The first line of it is I give him all the honor and that's where I stand tonight because what's gone on in my life is nothing to do with me I didn't start the ball rolling he did he brought me to this place and I just thank him and praise him for it thank you the house group people in particular. Uh, Alan uh, also has some associations with uh, Willardine Farm. I see some of them with us tonight. If you want to join with them, it's fine. Don't have to, but if you feel that you would like to. everybody to come out. to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful 
to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Alan, I believe that the Lord is commissioning you this night. Be very strong and courageous. Do not be frightened at what he challenges you to do. Follow and he will bless you through the rest of your life. If we endure, we will also reign. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. And Alan, the Lord just looks on you tonight and he knows where you've come from, but he knows where you are right now. And more importantly, he knows where you're going, because he's got you in the palm of his hand. And I just thank the Lord for you. I thank you for the heart that he's given you to just share those things that he's laid upon your heart, particularly with the folk out at Willardine, and how you've been a great blessing to me too through those, through those times. Bless you in the Lord's name. Now and make these words of David your prayer. You are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for the battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory. O oh Lord, you stoop down to make me great. My son, I would remind you again that you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And though you may look at your age and say that in comparison to many, I am in old age. Yet I would remind you that there are those that I have called who have been older than you. I will remind you of Moses and the work that he was called to do. And I will tell you, my son, that I have a purpose in calling you. I have a plan for you. I will call you to shepherd my sheep. Those who, whose lives you will have an effect upon those that will need your guidance and help. Heed what I say. Do not belittle yourself. For as I have called you, so I will equip you. So I will enable you. So I will put my power up in, uh, upon you. Be obedient to me and follow in the path that I shall lead you. And you will accomplish 
my calling that I have laid on you, my son. After the water, a baptism. We'll be singing the first verse of the song that he's chosen. Alan, in the profession of your faith, we baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.